Welcome to the Teen Financial Freedom Podcast. Teen Financial Freedom is a personal finance blog run by teens who are on a mission to equip their peers with the knowledge, resources, and understanding they need to become financially free for the rest of their lives. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Teen Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm Jacob here, and today I am joined by Ruby Salter. She is one of the three new members to our team that we are so excited to have joining us. Uh, Ruby is, I mean, several things. I know she is a a graphic designer now. She also runs a a lifestyle clothing brand, and then she's involved in now, obviously, Team Financial Freedom as well. And then who knows what else we're going to ask her about that as well. So uh, Ruby, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing well. We're just excited to have you on here. Uh, So Ruby, you are going to be the social media kind of designer, manager, whatnot, going forward for Teen Financial Freedom. Um, So do you kind of just want to, I guess, start sharing a little bit about your experience in that uh, field before we kind of dive into the other aspects of things? Absolutely. So I'm a certified graphic designer with Adobe. Um, so that means I'm certified in Adobe InDesign, Photoshop, Illustrator, basically all the Adobe apps. And so recently, about a year ago when COVID started, my main way of making money was by doing graphic design through Fiverr. And I started having some issues with Fiverr. <laughs> so I decided to switch over and start doing my work independently. And so I started up a website, posted my certifications, and I've just been finding clients like that. Um, that's actually how I discovered you guys. Mm-hmm. I saw your guys' website, thought you guys might need some help from a fellow teen. Mm-hmm. And I just reached out. So I think yeah. it's interesting that that's how we connected too. For sure. Yeah. And the thing that I'm really interested in is we talked about this briefly before, but I actually work on Fiverr currently. I've been doing it. Um, I basically started right before the pandemic, kind of like in late 2019. When did you get started on Fiverr? Like in the um, pandemic? It was in the pandemic. I think okay. it was probably the first month of summer. Okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I, I've been on a little longer than you. Um, and I mean, I've had pretty good success with it. I, so I like, I was able to quit my job within four months of getting started on Fiverr. Like my, awesome. my job at uh, a grocery store I worked at, cause I was making like double what I was making there. Exactly. Um, then yeah. Since then I've been making, I mean, it's on and off, like it's very inconsistent as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's been able to basically hold me over. It pays for everything you need to pay for. Um, and so that's kind of my primary source of income. I'm interested to hear kind of how successful was it for you? Yeah, no, for sure. So the reason I actually got the job at Starbucks is for consistency with um, revenue. So I think that's also interesting um, because Fiverr was a great way to make money. It just was really inconsistent because of Mm -hmm. jobs and all that. Mm -hmm. I was highly successful on Fiverr, but I started to realize that as I was growing as a graphic designer and as a freelancer, I grew out of Fiverr very quickly. Mm. Um, And that's just because Fiverr is really a program helpful for the consumer rather than the worker. And Mm -hmm. so I started getting into some bad situations where I was being taken advantage of. I wasn't able to get the money I deserved and it just kind of went downhill. But at one point it was really successful for me. And like, you know, I could buy what I wanted. I was starting to really get financially free and successful. 
but I realized that I was not giving myself my fullest potential. And so I needed a place to grow that would allow me to. And with all just these negative situations I was getting with Fiverr clients, I was just like, it's really time for me to get off this platform. Yeah, that makes sense. But I think it is an amazing place to start, you know? Yeah, for sure. So I guess I've kind of noticed that exact same thing where for me, it's like certain months I do really well on Fiverr. And then for no apparent reason, like the next month, it's just like no business. I'm, I'm curious, like you got started, you said right around in summer during the pandemic, one, like how quickly did it take you or how long did it take you to kind of get to a successful level? And then like, I guess what, what sort of months did you see were like the most successful? And then did, did you see like any reason for when your uh, analytics went down or was it kind of just random? Yeah, I think it's really random. Yeah. <laughs> I really, my first sale, I struggled. It was like two weeks in and no sales Mm -hmm. but i started using the feature where you could reply to people's requests Mm -hmm. so i found a dirt cheap like 15 dollar gig like someone needed a database on their website and so i was reaching out to like all these people all these posts every day i do 30 replies and i get nothing and this one guy who happens to be the lacrosse coach at harvard (laughs) (laughs) replied And so I was like, okay, I'll do this 15 bucks. You know, it's just about getting started. It's not about the money yet. Right. And so I did the job and he actually tipped me 40 bucks. Wow. So that kicked me off. You know, it was like, awesome. He gave me a review. He gave me a huge tip and now it's going to start to increase. So it took me a while. (laughs) Yeah. But I feel like my probably my third month was my best month. I was making a lot of revenue and I was getting higher paying jobs. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's really random. Um, and it I don't was. really know why. Right. No, I know for me, my, well, my best month ever to date before this month was May of 2020, probably right around when you started. Um, mm-hmm. but I had been established for about seven months at that point. Um, but then I took a couple trips over summer and it quickly died off. Then it maybe picked up again later at the end of the year, but then it died off again. And then kind of took me until this summer to actually really have like consistent success, consistent success with it. Um, And for me so far, this month has been my best month ever. And we're only today's the 13th. So we're almost halfway through and it's already been my best month ever. So I'm I'm loving Fiverr right now, but (laughs) I'm glad uh, (laughs) I do kind of want to touch on a few of those points you mentioned about how it's really designed for the buyer, the consumer, the customer, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. And it's really not set up to benefit the sellers, which is what you and I were. What was like, what were your problems that you were having uh, as a seller? I know for me, like there's been a couple of times where I'll do the work and then for whatever reason, the buyer is just not satisfied whatsoever, even though like I did exactly what they asked. Mm-hmm. And then they want to cancel the order, but it's like, okay, I just did all that work and now they get all their money back and I get nothing. Like, is that kind of what you experienced as well? Yes. It was horrible. I'd have people take revisions, um, which even though I set up in the system that a a extra revision costs more, Fiverr wouldn't charge them. So I would be like, okay, they just took 10 revisions, took 10 extra weeks 
they're paying me a little extra. But it didn't. They wouldn't charge. And when I'd say, hey, you took 10 revisions, 10 extra weeks, could I have a little bit of extra money because it does cost more for more revisions, the customer would blow up. <laughs> hmm. And they'd get aggro. They'd be like, you didn't tell me this. I'm like, it clearly states that. And so my work would be taken for free and then they could cancel the order. I would have no say on it. I can't say, okay, let's do a partial refund because you know I did exactly what you said. I gave you extra revisions. I gave you freebies. You know, we can do a middle ground, mm -hmm. but you can't, you can't do that at all. Right. And yeah. it just got more and more frustrating when customers just started to get I don't know, just they'd say they want one thing and then they didn't, you know, and they'd change a lot. And I feel like my clients just became worse and worse for no reason. Like I personally wasn't changing right? and it just went downhill and I was losing money because I do all this work. I'd send over an entire website, right? Mm -hmm. Then they say, yeah, no, I don't like it. I don't even care. You don't have to fix it. I just want my money back. And so, you know, a whole website, I lose $300 and they get a free website. Right. You know? Right. And I just feel like my clients, like I wasn't getting the wholesome, awesome clients. I was like the ones that would continue working with me over email and stuff. I was just getting really strange clients that I feel like were just stealing from me. Hmm. No, yeah, that's Odd. super understandable. And I can definitely relate to that where they, they say, you know, I don't like the, I don't like the website. I don't like whatever it is that you're delivering. Mm -hmm. And then that you get, you give them their money back, but then they get to keep whatever you gave them. I mean, exactly. in this case, you gave them a website, I've given people business plans and it's basically, they're getting whatever they want for free because of how that system is set up. And so, yeah, it, there really are some, some tricky people on Fiverr and the system is not really set up to benefit the sellers, which is frustrating because if you think about it, if there were no sellers, Fiverr wouldn't have exactly. a way to make money. They need to like be focused on benefiting both the customer and the, and the seller. But you know, what do we know? We're just some, some <laughs> teens here who, who yeah. finds on Fiverr. But uh, next thing I wanted to ask you about was how exactly did you make that transition? Once you kind of decided, okay, I'm done on Fiverr. I'm sick of this. How did you make that transition to to having enough work outside of Fiverr. Cause for me, like I've thought about doing that and moving away mm -hmm. from Fiverr, but my concern would be Fiverr brings in, I mean, as much as we say it's inconsistent, it brings in work here and there. A lot of um, and so how do you, how do you, I guess, bring in a consistent source of work outside of Fiverr? Yeah, for sure. So it's definitely not like Fiverr where you get a lot of customers coming in with a lot of different requests. I already had previous clients that, you know, I'm already emailing. They already start sending my work to their friends and I have a little bit of a network, but really the main way I've been gaining clients outside of Fiverr is just finding people on like Instagram or whatever and sending them an email. And mm -hmm. I usually go for like a smaller business like you guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's how I got into this. Mm -hmm. And... I let them know, hey, I really like your brand. I really like what you're doing. Would you be interested in getting a new website, some social media help, whatever it is? I send them my portfolio 
and we work it out from there. And usually why this works is because those projects are usually longer in duration and longer in price. So I can car charge like $1,000 for a three week project versus on Fiverr, like my max project was maybe a $250 and mm -hmm. they're usually a lot shorter. So it's more about getting really authentic, longer projects, just reaching out organically because a lot of small organizations and businesses really do need help. Mm -hmm. And as long as you show them who you are, what you do, show them your portfolio, they usually want to talk about it. And it's pretty easy to get new clients as long as it's for a longer duration. Okay. That makes sense. So basically you're just kind of reaching out to smaller businesses, uh, just either I mean, I know you DM'd us, but emailing them, whatever. So that, I mean, that sounds super, super reasonable. All right, let's sure. uh, let's move away from the graphic design stuff. I want to <laughs> ask you about your your lifestyle brand. Um, I guess just start by telling our audience about it in general, and then I'll ask you some sp specific questions. Absolutely. So it's called BDFO, which stands for Bold, Determined, Fierce, and Outstanding. And the idea is that it's a lifestyle brand that tries to instill confidence through clothing. Um, and I started this brand because I really struggled finding clothing. I still do. There's a lot of negative shopping experiences for young women, especially with sizing and the way things fit and just the content that brands put out. So I wanted to make my own just to make a positive experience for other young women. Um, and so that's what we're doing. <laughs> Um, there's also a huge focus on sustainability because fast fashion is just dominating the clothing industry industry. And I absolutely hate that. So it's like, you know, making shirts out of recycled plastic bottles or making sure our polymers, our polymailers are biodegradable or that our production is sustainable and they're not like dumping dyes into the ocean, stuff like that. Gotcha. So that's the down low. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, I, I'm also interested in, in this because um, I think I told you this as well, but I, I somewhat ran like some, I wouldn't exactly ever call what I did like a brand. I ran more so like a custom t-shirt business where like if people wanted right. something made, I, I would make it for them. Um, but not to the scale at which you're doing it because, you know, you have, I mean, you're literally manufacturing t-shirt or not just t-shirts, like all sides of all sorts of clothing. Whereas for me, what I would do is I would just like buy these blank t-shirts um, from specific manufacturers. And then I would print on them using screen printing, that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, and so kind of a different process, but I'm still, I'm sort of familiar with the industry somewhat. Um, so I guess I'm kind of just curious how, so you're 16, right? I'm 16. Okay. So I guess I got into this when I was 17, I don't know, 16 or 17, but I'm just curious, like, how did you as a 16 year old, and I know you started this a few years ago, how did you like go out there, get connections, make things happen? Cause like you literally have a full blown business that now that can produce clothing. How did you make that happen? It's a long story. <laughs> I honestly can't even remember everything, <laughs> um, but connected to you, what you were doing, I really just started with t-shirts. I had no capital. I had no idea what I was doing, but I had one connection. 
my dad fixed an AC for a screen printer, a local screen yeah. printer. And we just had a consultation and I just started talking and he was like, okay, what if we just start with an organic t-shirt, like an organic cotton t-shirt, you give me your design and we'll just start from there. And so this connection with my dad was actually really helpful because he's giving me mock-ups. He's giving me samples for free. He's helping me with wholesalers for free. Okay. And so, yeah, my dad bought me one box of t-shirts. I think I had like 50 bucks to start the website (laughs) and it's been organic from there. Like I've just been learning along the way. And right now in my journey, it's a really, it's a turn point right now because we're looking for capital and we're looking outside of what I already know. So there's a lot of new stuff happening too. Sure. That's cool though. Yeah, that's just super impressive that you're learning all that and running all of that as a 16-year-old. And like I said, you've been doing it for several years and it sounds like you have no plans to stop and you're just going to keep on growing that. So that's awesome. I I wanted to ask you kind of about your financial background, not like any specific numbers or anything. I just want to ask you like, I guess, first of all, what has the conversation in your home been like around money as you've grown up? Uh, we'll, We'll start with that. Yeah, no, that's a really good question because I think just how you talk about money and how you've grown up with money really does affect your own psychology with money. It's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents didn't necessarily come from a lot. I am very lucky. I'm very grateful. I definitely am a stable person and I have stable family, but money has never really been a talking point. Um. Everything I know about finance is stuff I've really been learning on my own. I read Mm. books. I watch videos. I just want to learn more. But regarding like my family, it's not something I really learn about from them. And I know that they have a lot of negative ideas about money. So I personally went on my own to try and get a positive psychology about money. So Mm. that's cool. Yeah. That's kind of what we hear a a lot of guests say is they never really, or their families never really talked about it in their, in their home, but now they kind of learned about it on their own. How did you, I guess, at what point did you kind of decide, like at what age were you, I mean, was this just recently when you decided to kind of start learning about money? Have you been doing it for a couple of years? Yeah. So let's see the summer before the pandemic. Sorry. I don't know any of my years. I, picked up a self-help book called You Are a Badass. It's just like a self-help book. And I loved it. I just loved this book. It helped me get through a lot of personal struggles. She also had a book called You Are a Badass at Making Money. I was like, Mm. okay, you know what? (laughs) Let's just pick this up. (laughs) And it was all about money psychology. And I just loved it. I finished the book and I was like, I can absolutely be financially independent, like absolutely. And from there, I've just been picking up more books. I've been learning more. And now I'm at the point where, you know, I can open a credit card. I can get my 401k started. I want to start investing in bonds, stuff like that. Like there's just a lot going on. And really, it's just been books that's been helping me and just personal motivation, you know? Yeah. And I, I'm pretty sure I remember reading in your your monthly review that you just wrote for us something about 
you just read I Will Teach to Be Rich. Is that right? It is so good. I can't <laughs> wait to write a blog post about it. Yeah, it yeah. It's so good. I was interested just to kind of hear your perspective on that. I know it's, I really like, the thing I like about the book is how it's laid out in like a, a six-week plan of what yes. you can do each week. Like that's my favorite part. For me, when I read the book, I was kind of, I mean, I felt like I was already pretty advanced as far as like my knowledge about finance. So for me, I felt like it was kind of a beginner book and it didn't apply to a lot of what I uh, needed help with. But mm-hmm. I mean, if it was somebody like yourself, who's kind of more on the beginner side, um, I could see it being like massively beneficial. So what was your, what was your like takeaway, your main takeaway or several takeaways from that book? Yeah. So I just loved that it was no BS. Like it helps you just set up your infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Like you don't need to have all the fancy stuff. Let's just focus on getting started, having a strong base. And like, I just love that he would be completely honest with you. He tells you what credit cards he uses. He shows you why you should do something, why you shouldn't do something. And it's just like, do these six steps. You'll be set up and then you can deal with all the fancy stuff. Yeah. And I really liked that. Like, yeah. As someone who doesn't really have a financial background or like a family who's telling exactly what to do, I think it's really helpful to be like, this is the credit card you should get. This is why you should get the credit card. This -hmm. is how much you spend on the credit card. And just get that base and that infrastructure. I think it's a really good book once you have your psychology around money in a positive way. I think getting this infrastructure set up that he talks about in the six-week plan, I think it's perfect. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. Um, a couple things that I love, just like what you were saying, I love that he gave specific accounts and like specific credit cards, like you were saying, that you should um, you should get. And he also talked about, I guess my biggest takeaway was he talked about this financial system that you can set up. I waited probably about a year after I read the book to actually set that up because it's fairly complicated. You have to set up all of these these bank accounts and investing accounts and set up all these transactions between um, between them. But I recently set that up this at the start of this year and it's just been running automatically. So it's like every month I'm investing, you know, about 25% of my income. I'm saving about 25% of my income, you know, there's stuff like that um, that he talked about. That was probably my biggest takeaway, but I, I really love what you were saying there about like, get your, your positive uh, mentality around money first, and then go read this book and, and set up like the, the infrastructure, like you were saying, and then worry about the fancy stuff later. What I, what I loved was he, he talked about just focusing on the big wins and, and not worrying about the small stuff as much. Um, so for example, he, when it came to cutting spending, he doesn't really advocate or he doesn't care as much if you spend money on the little things he wants you to focus on the big ticket items the mortgage the um i don't know what else like the food the car that type of thing and once you get that stuff down then you can you know move on from there and maybe i mean once you have those big things down you don't really need to worry about the smaller stuff and so he kind of advocates for something called a guilt-free spending which is just when uh you are able to spend the you're able to spend X amount every month, guilt-free, don't have to worry about it. So I feel like it is a a very good book for beginners in finance. I I don't know how applicable it is for people who are kind of advanced, but I mean, you have to read it. It's a must read no matter what, wherever you are, it just kind of depends on where you're at in terms of how, how much it'll apply to your life. But 
Anyways, Ruby, as we are uh, wrapping up here, I wanted to ask you two more questions. First of all, what would be your, your biggest piece of advice for other teenagers your age? Hmm. Like finance related or business related? Um, any, I mean, you can do multiple if you want, if you want to do like a finance one, a business one, a personal development one, or you can just do one of any category, whatever you want. Okay. Um, let's see. For finance, I really strongly believe on your money psychology. Like I've said like three times, <laughs> um, I don't feel like you can properly make money and feel good about it if you have negative ideas about money. So really just pick up a book, try and figure out how you can understand what you personally feel about money and how you can change that for the better. Because I think it really helps you just bring in more revenue when you feel good about it. Um, for business, I, oh gosh, business is tough because it feels like if you put in 110% every day, you should get 110% back. But in reality with business, it's really hard to get exactly what you put in. And so it's really just about determination and keep going every single day and to not get discouraged by little things because I personally get so discouraged because I feel like I should be getting results when I'm not, but really just got to keep at it and understand that everything you overcome and get through is just going to make you a lot stronger as a business. Sure. No, that's awesome. Both great pieces of advice. All right, Ruby, final question for you. Where can our audience get to know more about you, connect with you, learn about what you're doing, uh, any sort of website, YouTube channel, email that you want to shout out, social media, anything you want to uh, give our audience of where they can get connected with you? Absolutely. So my lifestyle brand's website is bdfolifestyle.com. You can definitely check anything out. You can shop there. You can send us an email or anything you'd like. But if you want to DM me personally, my Instagram is at Ruby Salter. Perfect. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us here. Ruby, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast here. We're super excited to have you on the team and looking forward to what we accomplish. Thank you so much, Jacob. Thank you for listening to the Teen Financial Freedom Podcast. We would greatly appreciate it if you could subscribe, leave a review, and share this with someone who needs it.